Shirts fans to episode number 136 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick, and today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you will get $10 off of your first order. And today, we've got part six of Sports Movie Brackets with Gabrielle Starr of Locked On Red Sox and Javier Reyes of Locked On Padres. Today we are going to finish up round two. We are covering the South and the Midwest regions, and we are setting the stage for the Sweet 16. So if you'd like to reference the brackets, just go to the Locked On New York Rangers Twitter page, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Enjoy. Everyone, here we go. We are back with part, like, what feels like seven of this bracket March not March, but May, whatever, uh, madness movie thing. Uh, we are now tackling the South region, the second round, as they call it. We're, we're, we're really, I'm just nervous. I don't know if people can tell by me talking right now, because the first matchup that we're going to be talking about today is, I mean, you, you talk about, you know, the revolutionary war. You talk about just the, the, the David versus Goliath. You talk about just, just not even in the, those not specific context, but just in general, like great matchups across human history in anything. It could be presidential elections. It could be anything, right? And this number one seed versus the number eight seeded Moneyball. Uh, eight seeded Moneyball is the eight seed. And then the number one seed is Remember the Titans. This guy's, I mean, I don't really know where to start. I'm, I'm just, I can't even speak properly. I don't know if people can tell. I'm having trouble doing this little intro. I'm going to throw it to John because um, this is, I think, without a doubt, the hardest matchup we've covered. We've had the Bulb Durham uh, 42. We've had the 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 Karate Kid. We've had the uh, the Invictus and Brian song. That one was really tough. Even even Space Jam to Raging Bull, despite the result, was a little tough too. But this yeah. one is just, it's unfair. It's a cruel, cruel matchup, I think. it's it. This is like a... You could argue this is a championship quality matchup, and it's happening only in the second round. John, what are your first uh, inclinations about this matchup? Who, which which movie are you leaning towards? I mean, you said it, man. You know, it, it's a heavyweight matchup here, just in the second round. It's a shame that neither, you know, at least one of these movies is not going to make it to the Sweet Sixteen. But I'm actually leaning a little bit toward Moneyball. I'm going to talk my way through it here, but I think I'm going to go mm-hmm. with Moneyball. It's a little weird because I voted for Slapshot against Moneyball uh, <laughs> in the first round. But, you know, watching Moneyball again, uh, you know, I really like it. One thing I I love about this movie is how it really puts over Peter Brand, you know, Jonah Hill's character, Mm -hmm. because, you know, Billy Bean, he knew that, you know, he was kind of fighting a losing battle by doing things the old school way in baseball. And he was looking for something fresh and he was looking for something new, uh, kind of a revolutionary way to put a team together. But he didn't quite know what that was. And he was looking Mm -hmm. around and, you know, it's not until... He has the sit-down meeting with uh, Mark Shapiro of the Cleveland Indians and, and Peter Brand's in the room. And he kind of realizes that, like, you know, Brand knows something that, that nobody else in this room knows. And he goes and talks to him afterward. And, you know, you know, Jonah Hill does a great job in that role. 
And Brand has basically just crunched all these numbers and he's found out a way to, you know, assess exactly how valuable players are. And it's at that moment that Billy Bean realizes, like, yes, this is what I'm looking for. This is the way to go. Because, you know, you, you hear Moneyball and you think, oh, Billy Bean, Oakland A's. But I really like how it kind of puts the spotlight on Peter Brand as well. And, uh, you know, I, I do wonder sometimes, though, and I'll, I'll ask you guys this question. Do you guys think that, like, maybe Billy Bean, does this seem like a magician revealing his secrets kind of? You know what I mean? Like, oh, okay. I see what you mean. Um, why tell everybody this? <laughs> well, I've heard this before. Yeah. Where it's like, it's not like he had something that was never going to be able to be replicated. You know what I mean? With the numbers thing and just how they yeah. organize their team. It's not like people were never going to find this out. So it's, That's it's true. very, it, it, it's from that perspective. I understand. It's not something that I don't think nobody would ever figure out uh, right. you know, years down the road, as they mentioned at the end of the movie where they're like, uh, you know, Gabrielle's Red Sox ends up winning, embracing this philosophy and breaking the curse of the Van Beamer or whatever. Right. Right. Um, that's just how yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you, though. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, and then just one other point I'll make about about Moneyball. Uh, you know, Billy Bean, despite being clearly a numbers guy, he still recognizes that there's a human aspect to this. And these guys aren't robots like he had to get Jeremy Giambi out of there because he was just a complete disaster. And it was bringing the club down with him. And then you have David Justice is in there and he goes and talks to him mm-hmm. while Justice is taking batting practice. And he talks about, hey, I want you to lead these guys. You know, let, let's let's get the most out of what you've got left here in baseball. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just a great movie. It just works. I mean, there, there's some comedy in there that, that every now and then that works as well. Uh, remember the Titans? You know, I watched this one again. Still really like it. Still a great movie. Um, I did notice, you know, I looked it up. There are a few historical inaccuracies, which I'm not going to mm-hmm. kill it for because, you know, every movie does that. It, it takes yeah. a couple of liberties. But like, you know, Bertier's car accident was after the championship game in real life. It wasn't yeah. for it, which I mean, fine. You know, it, it's OK to, you know, mess with a couple of things when, when you're putting together a movie to, you know, add a little bit more drama. But, you know, the one thing about Romero, the Titans toward the end of the game, like they need to get the ball back and the guy on the other team fumbles and they recover it. And this is just a nitpick, but it just, things like this just drive me crazy. So there's 17 seconds left, and they're like, all right, we got time for one last play. And like yeah. you can see on the scoreboard, there's 17 seconds, and they have two timeouts. And I'm just like, no, you have time for more than that, but whatever. It's not that big of a deal. It's just a yeah, little yeah. nitpick. It's just one of those pet peeves that I have. But I'm going Moneyball. Yeah. Long, long way of saying I'm okay. going with Moneyball for this okay. one. Yeah, yeah it's, it's one of those things where like people who are just casually maybe watch this not super – uh, sports maniacs like we might be they don't necessarily they're like oh yeah 17 seconds isn't like a lot of time uh but and the two timeouts but then you look back at it i've heard the same thing about remember the titans where there's there's some some inaccuracies and by yeah. some i mean quite a, a significant amount now i actually talked with jason burke of lockdown a's we had like a Moneyball talk he was saying there's definitely some inaccuracies with Moneyball with like the portrayal of uh the coach art howe and how he's like, oh, I want my contract. Like, like he wasn't like that. And apparently Art Hat was like really livid at that when the movie came out. And just how the movie kind of glosses over the fact that they had Miguel Tejada and they don't talk about it at all when yeah. he was literally the MVP that year. So it's very um, – they, they do take some liberties to tell the story. And there's still obviously a lot that beamed in and a lot of interesting stuff that went into that team. But there are some liberties taken for sure. That's, that's just what happens with uh, – based on a true story type movies. Just wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein and energy bar that I have ever had. It's kind of hard to explain. You just have to experience it for yourself. It's got real chocolate, amazing flavors, 
And unlike a lot of other protein bars, energy bars, you don't need a gallon of water to get rid of that weird, funky aftertaste that sometimes comes with the other bars. It's just good, and it actually kind of tastes quite a bit like a candy bar. It has an amazing combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar. There are no crazy additives, and if you compare it to the most popular men's bar, Cliff, it is half the calories, seven times fewer carbs, seven times fewer sugar grams, and more protein. How can it be that good and taste that good? I don't know. You just got to try it for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off of your first box at BuiltBar.com. Once again, use promo code LOCKEDON and get $10 off your first box at www.builtbar.com. Yeah, I'm I'm doing my best because I don't want to (laughs) talk. I don't want to speak. I don't want to give it. All right, so Gabrielle needs to pick Remember the Titans, and then we're going to put all the pressure on Javi here to bring the (laughs) That's what needs to happen next. I'm sorry, I can't. Oh! Oh, There you go, pressure's off. We ended. I know we ended last episode with me uh, just totally blowing up the spot with the whole Karate Kid situation, but I, yeah, I can't I do it again. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have to go Moneyball just because, like, I I really like Remember the Titans, and it's a lot. It takes a lot for me to to really enjoy a football movie, as I've said probably at least five times on this bracket situation before. But to me, Moneyball is just such a, such a unique movie like sports movie and movie in general where it's a true story but it's it doesn't have kind of that cheesy like typical sports story arc like yes the a's are a low budget team and they're trying to be competitive but it doesn't have the whole miraculous like the a's still haven't won a world series since all of this happened and you know, the unfortunate reality that yes, like Billy Bean is showing his hand, definitely showing how the sausage is made. And maybe if he doesn't do that, it takes the teams a little bit more time. But the sad reality is that basically this is what small teams do all the time. They need to find ways to become competitive with the bigger teams because they don't have the money to just financially compete. And eventually the bigger teams figure it out And they say, okay, well, we could do the same thing and we can do it even better because we do still have more money. And that's exactly what the Red Sox did. It's the same thing the Red Sox did this year when they fired Dave Dombrowski and hired Chaim Bloom from the Tampa Bay Rays because Bloom is is like a farm system building guy who knows how to work with a budget that's like a quarter of the budget of the Red Sox. And the Red Sox want to revamp and rebuild and that's what they're doing. So it is kind of a bummer, but it's also just like that was going to happen eventually. And but it's just I still find it to be such a unique sports movie. And remember the Titans, as wonderful as it is, it's one of the best sports movies, in my opinion. And I hate that it's going to be a second round exit. But like you guys said, it's this is how these things work. Uh Eventually, it was going to eventually all these matchups are just going to be super tough and we're going to hate ourselves and each other. But I have to go with Moneyball. I just it's such a unique movie. Brad Pitt is amazing and it should have won the Oscar. Such a stupid awards show. They just never give it to the right person. Mm -hmm. And that's not not to discount. Remember the Titans 
at all. Uh, Donald Faison was literally talking about Remember the Titans on the latest episode of his Scrubs rewatch podcast today that I was listening to, talking about Denzel and how incredible he is. But I just like Moneyball is kind of one of those movies where you think it's going to be boring and like very math oriented and numbers and analytics oriented. And it's just such an interesting movie. And not only that, but it has a, a lot of heart and it's kind of funny. The Philip Seymour Hoffman as Art Howe is a really weird casting choice, in my opinion, especially if you just like have seen a photo of Art Howe and they look nothing alike. But meanwhile, Philip Seymour Hoffman looks exactly like Buck Showalter. Yeah. Yeah. Really weird. Mm-hmm. Also, apparently Art Howe is in the hospital. So uh, oh, wow. prayers, prayers to him. But yeah, Moneyball is just a side. I mean, look, both of these movies also take, you know, artistic liberties. They both change things like Moneyball leaves out Miguel Tejada. And remember, the Titans has Bertie um, getting hurt before the game instead of after the game. And I mean... Neither of these movies needed to do that, but that's fine. That's what movies do all the time when they're taking a true story and adapting it. There are, there are so few true story adaptations that are like exactly what happened because Hollywood people are always like, well, what would it be? It would be so much more dramatic if this happened or it'd be so much more dramatic if Johnny Damon went to the Red Sox and the A's just had no one, not mm-hmm. even and definitely not like an MVP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the end of the day, super hard decision, but I'm just by a few hairs going with Moneyball just because I find it, I don't think there are a lot of sports movies like it. And as incredible as Remember the Titans is, as do at doing the sports, the typical sports underdog, like overcoming obstacles, heartbreak and triumph trope, it's one of the best movies to do it, but it is a very frequently done sports movie like story arc plot etc yeah mm-hmm. that's a great point that was a ramble i'm sorry it's oh, okay it's all good i want it's i feel just, like i gotta get my ramble in here. Yeah. yeah i feel like i gotta get my ramble in look i'm happy you 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 went for Moneyball. um i'm not doing this just to give remember the titans a point i was going to vote remember the titans anyway that'll make it 2-1 i think that when it comes to both of these movies what i find interesting about Moneyball is despite the fact that it is about a kind of bureaucratic look at sports and it's these guys who only care about numbers right it's actually not just exactly like that it's also a very um touching personal story i mean they capture and i feel like i might have mentioned this on the the last podcast when we talked about um Moneyball is I, I think that the the tragedy of billy bean's playing career there's something about that scene uh young billy bean i mean when he's playing and seeing him struggle and seeing just things not working out, you know, and I think we've all had those moments where we've, we've maybe felt like we were certainly talented for a particular job or a thing and just doesn't work out that well. And this is obviously on a grander scale, but I feel like that scene captures it. So all the frustration, the, the anguish of it. And I just, that's what I love about the movie is despite the fact that it is about numbers and figuring out baseball from a numbers perspective and, and science and math and what have you, it is also touching on things that are very, um, full of heart you know it's 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 very much i hate using this term to describe movies but it's it's got a lot of human elements to it despite the fact that it is about kind of saying that you shouldn't treat them as humans that not that you shouldn't but it's saying that you need to not do that right now that that's that's how you get left behind and whatnot and you have to don't don't mingle with the players which of course bean eventually does so it's actually not this movie that you know all the people who are anti-analytics they probably looked at 
when this movie was coming out and they were like, oh my God, like this is going to be just how you, you, you can't know anything from just talking and watching baseball. It's just all numbers. It's like, no, the movie's actually not like that at all, which is what, what I find it so interesting. Both right. movies have a dynamite lead performance, obviously with Brad Pitt and Denzel. Both movies have some memorable quotes. Um, but for me, Remember the Titans is one of those movies that, you know, it handles the race things well. We've I, we made fun of it a little bit before for how they have the left side, strong side scene, and then it just racism is over for, for a little bit. <laughs> it is solved. Uh, but then it gets back into it, and it has the scene with Sunshine taking um, the rest of the team to the, the restaurant. They're like, you don't want to know. Like, these interesting moments, really, that I – that I find cool, the whole coddling of players that 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 um, monologue Denzel has with with Yost and just so many lines to me about, and remember the Titans that I feel like there's something about that movie that is etched into your memory no matter how many times you've seen it. You remember the left side, strong side. You remember the sunshine. <laughs> One of my, that's my favorite like line in the movie. I don't <laughs> know why. Uh, I enjoy that so much. I enjoy when he throws the football at uh, Gary Brettier and to show off his arm and the, the haircutting. The, just there's something full of joy in that movie that I think edges out Moneyball. And I don't necessarily think it's a, a better made movie, but I think that there's just, there's something more indelible about it. There's something more um, timeless about it while Moneyball, while it's actually probably, if I had to choose which movie I would think is better, I think Moneyball is better. I think that for the sake of this bracket, there's something about remember Titans that just works. I love Donald Faison and he's great. I just love everybody in this movie. And I like that it's got, it's it's intoxicating the heart in the movie you you everywhere we go there are literally just the other day uh maybe maybe not the other day but a couple weeks ago i just broke out into that song and just we, me and my mom were just singing it like together just at the same like completely no reason for it i just thought of it you start saying it. there's there's something about that there's something cultural about that and i think that um while there are some inaccuracies for sure i think that um remember the titans it's just i would see it anytime I don't want them to gain another yard. We blitz all night. Like, it's just, <laughs> I yeah. remember like every line in the movie while uh, Moneyball, I remember kind of the story of the movie for sure. But maybe just a tiny bit, I feel like you're ready to run like six miles after running, watching Remember the Titans. While Moneyball, you maybe have more of an appreciation for baseball. But I feel like people who like baseball are the ones that that movie is a little bit more targeted for. I think that's a little bit of a, a mistake to assume that I think that that movie is about everything. And how I've mentioned before, sports are for, they aren't just sports. They are a language. They are a culture. They are so much entirely than just who hit the ball well, or who um, carried the ball a certain amount of yards. It's so much more than that. Um, so with all those, those reasons, my rambling, I'm going to conclude it there since we've got a lot of other movies to talk about. Uh, I'm going with remember the Titans. I'm sad to see it go down, uh, but it did go down to a, certainly a great movie. Unlike uh, a certain movie last episode that i was uh very disappointed with the results <laughs> that happened i'll leave it at yeah that. before we move on i will say remember the titans is a better ensemble movie it just mm. has so much talent mm. in it moneyball is really brad pitt's movie i mm-hmm. mean jonah hill's good um philip seymour hoffman is i mean it's it's a very interesting choice for that character like i said and the way that he's portrayed is very interesting but when it comes down to it i mean it's Brad Pitt's movie. You know, mm-hmm. Brad Pitt is the guy on the the poster sitting alone. He there's a lot of Brad Pitt alone in this movie too. Like him driving in the car, him working out alone, him in the ballpark alone. A lot of this is just Billy Bean. 
And remember the Titans, I mean, it's a story about a team. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that makes these movies like, even though they're, they're both incredible movies, it makes them very different, which I think is why it's hard to kind of argue them and compare them for the bracket because ultimately, yes, it's the story of the Oakland A's and them turning, turning, you know, to analytics and re, uh, revamping and kind of changing baseball forever. But it's about Billy Bean doing that mm-hmm. as the person in charge of the Oakland A's. It's like, and you, and you also see that because you have flashbacks to his playing career, his childhood, his own experience as a baseball player, which affects how he runs the A's now. Remember the Titans is the story of a team, you know, mm-hmm. their, their collective situation, the trials and tribulations and heartbreak that they go through together. And, and you even see that in the fact that Billy Bean doesn't like to even be at the, in the ballpark during games, mm-hmm. he's in the weight room, he leaves the ballpark and he, like, he is separate. He's kind of like on his own little Island, which is very interesting when you think of how many sports movies are about teams versus like an individual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're such a loser, dad. You're such a loser. I dad. love that song. <laughs> My mom loves it too. She loves, she just asks me every now and then to pull up the YouTube clip. <laughs> just like, can you play that song real quick? That was uh, tough. That I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not as, you know, distraught as the last episode, what happened on the last episode, but I'm definitely, um, this is it's a bittersweet moment. You're not as distraught as I was for 42. I, I've no 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 no. The Karate Kid was disgraceful. <laughs> I just, I'm not over it. I'm still not over it. We got to put out a poll. Arguably a better a movie than. Karate we got to pull out put out a poll. Which was a crazier end result matchup: 42 versus Bull Durham or Karate Kid versus Bad News Bears? Yeah, that's, that's how we, we figure do. out how few people are listening to these entire bracket things. Too. <laughs> <laughs> got like, like three people. Yeah. My my mom listens to them. She goes, I just she goes, I finally finished the bracket. And I'm like, Mom, you realize that was the first round. She goes, I mean oh, the no. episode. <laughs> I bet well, hey, you know what? The ratings will go up, I feel like, for the, the championship games. That's that's what maybe oh, yeah, people are just, sure. you know, for sure. That'll be great. Yeah, we got Seabiscuit. number twelve. Seabiscuit. Yeah. Number number twelve oh, Biscuit against number four, Jerry Maguire. Uh, who wants to lead this one off? Uh I just want to lead off by saying I'm I'm not wearing a jacket. I don't need a jacket because I'm coated in failure. <laughs> I'm going with Jerry Maguire. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I watched it. I, I rewatched it the other day. Yeah, didn't it wasn't it the first time your mom had ever seen it? Isn't yeah, it was the first me? time my mom had ever seen it. Uh, she remembers she's Jerry Maguire is one of those movies that people know about for sure. And they know about the show me the money and the you, you had me at hello scenes, but they don't always remember where they come from. Uh, and my mom saw it and she was like, this is just, she didn't love, love it. Uh, but she definitely really enjoyed it and was like, this is, I mean, come on. I mean, the, the, the opening, the, it's written really well by Cameron Crowe. If anybody hasn't uh, checked that almost famous, go check out that movie. It's freaking awesome. Uh, super underrated. Uh, but yeah, Jerry Maguire just kind of kills it. Um, and it's, it's definitely, there's a, a stretch where it's a little slow, a little weird, a little creepy almost. <laughs> It's at certain points between Renee Zellweger and Tom Cruise. Um, I've heard the take before. I think this was uh, Bill Simmons' take that he's convinced uh, Tom Cruise has never actually been drunk before. <laughs> when you look at how he plays uh, a drunk person in movies, he's always like, you know, 
Like, like I, he's wearing the glasses and it's like, you look at all the movies that he's done that before. It's just kind of almost like overacting somehow, even uh, with, with a drunk kind of portrayal. But yeah, the, the lines, every scene between Tom Cruise, Jerry Maguire and Rod Tidwell, Cooper Gooding Jr. is just so good. And honestly, that it's not a buddy cop thing, but that buddy dynamic between the two is the best I've seen in a sports movie for whatever it's worth. Uh, I just love that the two of them on screen and it's just, it's such a great character, both, both great characters. And, um, you know, no, no offense to uh sea biscuit, which I basically voted. Uh, I don't even know if I voted at the first time I was fine with it winning the first round because well, Toby McGuire, I mean, I got to respect for my spidey. So basically that was one of the main reasons I voted for it. Uh, but yeah, Jerry Maguire is just too, um, it's unique. It's unique too. And it actually balances being a sports movie and a love story kind of equally, um, believe it or not. It's it's certainly a love story and it's certainly a sports movie. I don't think it's one or the other. It's actually kind of split down the middle like half and half in a way. And it really tackles it well. Um, and Cruz is just, I mean, I, I don't even know where to start with Cruz. He's just, I, I just love all of his movies. Yeah, he's great in this. And, you know, with Seabiscuit, you know, again, I think I mentioned this the last time, but it's a great example of a movie in this bracket that, you know, I may not have necessarily gone out of my way to see if we weren't, you know, watching all these movies to get ready for all these matchups. And it's one of those movies that I ended up liking uh, quite a bit more than I thought I would, just because I'm not really that into horse racing and a lot of good performances in that. But man, Jerry Maguire's Jerry Maguire. It's just a great movie. Like you said, Javi, uh, you know, the, uh, the banter between Tom Cruise, Cuba Gooding Jr. It's absolutely fantastic. And everything kind of unfolds really organically in that movie. You know, he's like this hotshot sports agent at the mm-hmm. beginning of the movie. But you can see where, like, that lifestyle would kind of wear on you a little bit. Like, there's that scene early where, you know, he's with one of his clients. I think it's like a football player or something. And a kid comes up and wants the athlete's autograph. And the athlete's like, oh, I can't sign that brand of cards. Sorry, buddy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, Tom Cruise is just like, man, what am I doing with my life? Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. And he wants it to be, you know, a little bit more of a, not to use that term again, but a little bit more of a, of a human business kind of mm-hmm. thing. And that's why he only has, you know, the one client going forward. But uh, yeah, I don't want to go on for too long here. I will just say Jerry Maguire uh, wins this one pretty comfortably. I do like Seabiscuit, but uh, solid margin here for, for Jerry Maguire, I would say. And hey, uh, Bob Sugar, one of the more underrated supervillain uh Super villains in general, but sports movie villains for sure. Oh man, what a punchable face he has! Oh my god, oh no man. Joke, man, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable how punchable his face is. That was one of my fo- my mom's first uh, reaction. She's like, "Tell me he gets his by the end of this. <laughs> like, tell me he gets he gets uh, showed up or whatever by Tom Cruise, and he basically yeah. does. Yeah, he does. Uh, Gabrielle. Well, like we said last week, it <laughs> looks like Jerry Maguire is just going to make it all the way to the finals uh in, and i'm not surprised at all that it's one of the best sports movies and again one of the most unique it'll be interesting when we have money vault versus mcguire oh, next god. round oh my god but jerry mcguire is also a really unique movie it's got a few elements of the typical sports movie but not really because it's a sports agent He's got this very emotional side, which you don't see a lot from men in sports movies. And, you know, you've got the adorable kids, like the human head weighs eight pounds. Renee Zellweger, it's like, I think one of her best movies. Her character is a combination of 
like Loki, a badass single mom who's really brave and also just mm -hmm. so like needs Tom Cruise so much. Mm -hmm. And that's a really powerful thing, I think, because I yeah. feel like a lot of times people think women are either this, you know, independent, don't need a man, go getter, career woman, whatever, or they're like the mushy kind of fall in love type. And I think it's she does a good job of showing that a woman is both. And as somebody yeah. who is also both, I relate to that a lot. I mean, I'm not a single mom, uh, nor do I have children. But the idea of she takes a lot of risks in her career, leaving her job to go with him and sticking by him when things are tough. And she handles her own shit, kind of. She mm -hmm. she doesn't she doesn't need him, but she desperately wants him. And that's and that's what it is that, you know. I have a relationship with a man that I really love. I don't need him to be in my own person. And that's that's something you don't see a lot in these movies. Like the, the women characters are often very mm -hmm. two-dimensional or mm -hmm. even one-dimensional. Um, Seabiscuit is a great movie. I'm sad that it's getting like going up against such a powerhouse because it really is a great, you know, animal movie and also just a great athletic sport movie but i mean it's cherry Maguire, so there's really nothing else to say <laughs> unfortunately oh, but people should still watch sea biscuit it's really beautiful i think all the animals are out i don't think there's any more animal movies oh, wow. space, oh, jam. No. space jam counts space jam counts there's animals in that yeah i guess Cartoon so. bunnies i mean there is a dog in in michael jordan's house that's true yeah that's true yeah that's true <laughs> <laughs> that's it oh though no the um, sandlot the sandlot's kind of an animal oh that's true the beast bit. yeah yeah the beast the beast. Um, the beast absolutely yeah sandlot yeah yeah oh man that's gonna i oh, guys and, i'm oh, i can't believe this we have another hard has, one next week <laughs> caddy shack has a gopher so. ah that's right that's right yep that's true there you go oh my gosh yeah jerry oh, jerry i'm coded in failure i just oh man he's just so it's so funny Really great writing. Also, really great also writing. Very, also very relatable how, you know, when he writes his whole manifesto about what sports yeah. should be. Yeah. Um, I really relate to that because I feel like a lot of people, they lose that kind of magic and emotional vulnerability of seeing things the way that they should be, the way that we wish, you know, the whole thing yeah. of like the ego and the id. Mm -hmm. There's like the three of them. And you know, as we grow up, we kind of say, okay, well, this is how things are. This is how the world works. It sucks. It is what it is. And, and you lose kind of that hope that things could be better and that the world could be the way it should be, where you care more about the love of the game than the money and the contracts. And I love that because that's how I am. I yeah. I really relate to the whole thing of him wanting sports to be about the love of the game and and not the business side of it because i hate mm -hmm. the business side of these things i you know seeing it now with the mlb owners and the players i'm like i just want pure baseball i hate mm -hmm. all of this crap everything yeah. is so complicated and just cruel and people just trying to 
undercut each other and backstab each other. It's just awful. Well, and especially now when everybody, all of us could kind of collectively use this, you know, like, let's get these guys back on the field and let's play baseball. You know, I mean, come to some kind of an agreement, meet in the middle and let's move on. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but. and just the whole, just the whole not considering that anyone's a person with feelings, like, especially with social media, you know, um, people just are, are so needlessly cruel to each other and, it's all just crazy to me. I just, you know, watching this movie and seeing somebody in a position of power who, who feels the way that I do and and wants things to be the way that they should be instead of the way that they are. It, it makes me both happy and sad because it's nice to see it in somebody else, a reflection of yourself, but also makes me sad because it's not real. And, and I can't really, I mean, he's like the anti Scott Boris to the point of, just bumming me out really hard that we have Scott Boris, but we don't actually have Jerry Maguire. <laughs> yeah. Jerry Maguire needs to be a real life person. I think we can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. We got a uh, number six, Rocky three up against number three, Bull Durham. Uh, I, Gabrielle, do you want to lead this one off? I feel like me and Javi did the last two. So maybe it's your turn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'll start with Bull Durham just because Bull Durham is a really beloved baseball movie. And I've said this before. I think one of the challenges of uh, us doing a bracket is I, I worry we're, I'm going to repeat myself a lot in terms of every every time we go through another movie, I'm going to say it again. But I'm not a crazy huge fan of Bull Durham. I enjoy it. I have watched it multiple times, but it is – and no offense to our pal Scully, who does Locked on MLB and who has a podcast literally called The Bull Durham Minute, where he talks about one, one 60 second gap, one 60 second piece each episode of his podcast from the movie Bull Durham. It's a really good movie. It's just not one of the movies that I will watch over and over and over again and watch it if I see it on TV when I'm flipping channels. It's funny. It's heartfelt. It's dramatic like it it has a lot it's unique it's minor leagues um the actors like kevin costner is great in it susan sarandon's amazing in it tim robbins is amazing they all do a great job it's just not one of those movies that does it for me but i acknowledge how good it is rocky three i've only seen once and i don't remember like a ton of you know details about it but i remember not liking it as much as the first two and the whole mickey dying part is super sad obviously Mm. it's just you know like the one thing i will say is that i like kind of how rocky and apollo their relationship evolves in this one um, you know, from being rivals to like Apollo helping train Rocky after mm-hmm. Mickey dies. Um, that's a super interesting character arc. We've talked about before how a lot of times you don't get to see the the aftermath of an epic rivalry showdown, and you definitely don't see it evolve. And one of the rare things with the Rocky um canon is that the movie, there are so many of these movies that 
you actually get to watch these characters evolve past just the ultimate showdown because there are multiple showdowns and i i'm gonna give it that's hard <laughs> I'm, gonna give, <laughs> I'm sorry it's it's you know i'm like talking myself in and out of it i'm giving it to bull durham just because i think it's a really good movie and i love my minor leagues and I want to support my minor leagues, even in the totally useless way of voting for Bull Durham in a bracket podcast. But Rocky's Rocky three is great. It's just. I don't know. I <laughs> I'm a baseball girl through and through through and uh, Kevin Costner in a baseball movie. It's kind of like peanut butter with and jelly. You can't really have one without the other. It's just, it's a, it is a great movie. It's just not, not something I, I'm going to watch like a million times. Like I would with Moneyball or Jerry Maguire. Um, yeah. So it's a close one for me too. Um, Bull Durham, there, there was one scene. First of all, I think Kevin Costner is great in this. It's by far my favorite uh, Costner sports movie of anything on this bracket, or I guess mm-hmm. just in general, cause they're all on here. But, um, yeah, there is that one scene where he's talking to Tim Robbins about respecting the game. And then in the next scene, Kevin Costner is on the field drinking beer and purposely flooding the field and then running around <laughs> on the field like an idiot. So is that respecting the game? You know what I mean? Like, it's just a nitpick, but I, I just felt like I, I think that was that intentional, out. though. I think that's Maybe. an intentional okay. thing. Okay. Okay. I think enough. it's mocking the idea of uh, people who always are gatekeeping the game, yet they're doing yeah. their own version of ridiculousness. That's just me, though. Yeah, no, it, it might have been self-aware. It, it might have been making a joke there. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's a tough one for me, too. I'm going to be talking myself in and out of this whole thing. But uh, Rocky Three, I mean, it kind of began an unfortunate trend. I didn't realize this until just now with Gabrielle talking about it, with Mickey dying. It began, like, this unfortunate trend of people dying in Rocky movies. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, that's spoilers. True. Everybody, everybody it's spoilers. always a vehicle for, like, his motivation. And it's yeah. just... Such a bummer yeah, of a which, vehicle and also so transparent of like someone has to die in order for him to yeah. be motivated move forward yeah. into yeah. the next phase of Rocky, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I mean, uh, Mickey dies in this one. Apollo dies in Rocky four. Uh, nobody dies in Rocky five, although that's just not a good movie. Not as not nearly <laughs> as good as the other ones, at least. Um, and then Adrian dies like between Rocky five and Rocky Balboa. And then Paulie dies between Rocky Balboa and Creed. So it just it just keeps going on and on and on. Um, but with all that said, I, I'm still going to go with Rocky Three. I, I know I mentioned this the last time as well, but I, I like the idea that, you know, the underdog has now become the champion. And now we have to see what's going to happen next. And I love the way this movie ends with uh, Rocky and Apollo are just going to have, you know, their third match. They're just in some dinky gym somewhere. And there's nobody else there. There's no glitz and glamour. There's no promotion. There's no referee. They're just going to, hey, you know, let's break the tie here. We each won one, right? And uh, mm-hmm. great callback in uh, in the movie Creed as well. Yeah. When yeah. Uh, when, when Rocky mentions Apollo won that fight, he tells he tells yeah. his son that. So, um, yeah, it, it's close, but I'm going to give a little bit of an edge to Rocky III. I've always just kind of had a soft spot for Rocky III. So that, that's, that's going to advance for me. All right. I guess I'm being the decider again. Uh, so, well, not again, this this episode but you know uh so yeah and you make a great point i actually saw rocky 3 after seeing creed so i i didn't realize like i assumed in creed or whatever rocky movie it was that this behind scenes closed door thing was something that they revealed who won and it's kind of it's like a fun easter egg 
where they reveal like, oh, and Rocky reveals in Creed that, oh, actually Apollo won that one. It's really fun because they don't show you in, uh, in right. Creed or uh, Rocky three or Rocky four. They show it again at the beginning of it. Uh, they don't show that, um, which is awesome. It's just it's just fun, cool stuff. Um, so. I'm going to here's the thing. Rocky three, I think between these two, and I was just talking about this before the Remember the Titans and Moneyball, where I think Remember the Titans is more rewatchable and more exciting and stuff. While Moneyball, I think might be better. I think Rocky three is probably more rewatchable, but I think Bull Durham is probably a better movie. That being said, maybe I'm a hypocrite. I'm actually going to go for the movie that I just think is better this time. That's Bull Durham. I like the kind of self-aware nature of the movie i didn't expect the movie i think there's a lot of smart things in the movie i think um susan sarandon's character is shockingly not something that is uh appalling or something that is really hard to watch i actually think it's super self-aware it's super smart and and just a well-crafted character in all uh, all sorts of ways that we've uh touched on a little bit before um and i think that the I just think that the movie is is really creative. I like the the ridiculousness of it. I like the um, almost crudeness of it. I like the the fact that it's it's not it's a romanticization of of sports, but in a different perspective where it captures the kind of failures of it and Crash Davis being only a minor league star while uh, Duke is going to go so much farther. You know what I mean? It's just this this unfortunate reality, but it captures the the love of the game type thing without feeling like a cliche or, um, you know, straightforward, I guess. And that's why I really like about it. Well, Rocky three, I think it's definitely watchable, uh, super rewatchable actually. And the opening montage of the, the eye of the tiger is great, but to me, it's just not quite as, uh, well refined, I think as the first two Rocky movies or Creed, or in this case, uh, bull Durham. So I'm going to go for bull Durham. In this particular matchup, uh, shout out Sully. Great podcast. Everyone should go listen to it. I was on it. It's great. It's awesome. Uh, I was also on it. And Gabriel was on it too. Yep. Very awkward. <laughs> um, but it was. Well, it, have, it, yeah. How, go, how go closely ahead. have you guys watched Bull Durham? Uh, pretty closely. Not, I've only I don't seen think it as closely as Sully. I've seen well, it. No once one has too. watched this movie as closely as Sully. But the, yeah. the minute that my Boulder minute was the minute where she ties up Tim Robbins, who was <laughs> who was her real life partner for like 20 years and the father of some of her children. She like ties him up to the bed and then she's taking all these things out of the drawer. And one of them is like a. And so that was my Bull Durham minute was talking to Sully about this like very sexual scene from Bull Durham where she ties him up to the bed and is like, and he's like watching kind of with a mixture of curiosity and terror as she pulls <laughs> various things out of her like love. Oh, treat. <laughs> and I was like, Sully, why are you doing this to me? So when, I, so that's another thing that I think of with Bull Durham is like, I just feel very awkward mm-hmm. it could be yeah sully might have <laughs> what an incredible scene for him to choose for you that's that's wild i mean I, uh, doesn't he do it minute by minute so it's like yeah. literally that was just it happened that i agreed to be on it <laughs> and that was the minute that i got but i was like god re- <laughs> my mom listens to my podcast like <laughs> and my grandma so it really was by random chance. That was just the next minute in the movie, and you just mm-hmm. happened to be the poor soul who was in line for that? Yeah. I got I got the scene, uh, if people want to listen to mine, I got the minute, I should, not scene, but minute, when um, uh, Tim Robbins' character Duke is pitching, and like and he's naked or whatever. Not totally naked, but um, 
it's like the dream sequence that's the one that i got and i was like i don't know what the heck i just watched <laughs> like that was out of control uh but yeah i'm it going for a Bull very Durham. unique movie yeah very unique and for me yeah, the I uniqueness mean, uh carries it for me despite some of the the maybe not necessarily uh pleasant moments not not pleasant but the the awkward moments uh every now and then hey i like it when movies make me a little bit uncomfortable and take me off guard yeah yeah, I mean, I, I lost this one, but I can't get too upset about this. You know, Bull, yeah. Bull Durham's fun. I, I'm totally cool with Bull Durham going to the Sweet 16. So good stuff. Um, All right. So number seven, Dodgeball against number two, The Sandlot. Wow, is this one tough? I don't even mm-hmm. know where to start. Um, I actually think these movies are, they kind of have that comedy, like ridiculous, like not stupid, but uh, like like very comical like feel to them. Um, I think Dodgeball would obviously be more the more crude of the bunch. Why? And it's it's got it's it's it does have its heart, you know, true underdog story. Uh, but um, Sandlot is definitely one of those. But it's it's very. Um, I just can't. It's kind of my reasoning for Remember the Titans, where I could see a hundred percent why people might go Dodgeball here. Um, but I just think that the moments in Sandlot are too. You just can't get rid of them. The Beast, uh, James Earl Jones, Darth Vader himself. Spoiler, I kind of uh, showing up at the end. Uh, that's awesome. And it's it captures that childlike wonder of not only being baseball, but fan. But I just think being a fan of things and making friends for the first time. I related to this movie heavy where it was like I wasn't the the super sports kid. You know what I mean? I was the not playing with chemistry sets or whatever, but I was playing video games in my room over the summer until finally I I discovered going outside and I was super scared and I, I'd play in the outfield or in my case it was I would like I would stand by the three-point line and never shoot the ball at basketball I would just be like I'd pass it right away you know what I mean like learning but then that feeling of when you if you're lucky enough not everybody necessarily has this uh golden moment of a childhood but when you make friends with that one person who gives you a chance and I just think that movie captures something about um life in a lot of ways and I like how it's like we continue to be friends, but sometimes people move on. And it wasn't a move on as in, oh, they left us. It's like, no, uh, the characters, people grow up and people uh, age. But you always remember those times. It's about the friends you make when you're younger and how sometimes they're childhood friends. But then sometimes those childhood friends are the people that last a lifetime. And um, great baseball scenes. And I think we talked about when we talked about it on the the first time we talked about it against, um, what was it, Unnecessary Roughness or Necessary Roughness. Um the movie is kind of like an episodic movie where it doesn't really have, it has a main plot. It has a main theme. I should say it has the main theme of friendship and certainly baseball, but it's a movie that's more about buds and it's about the, the adventures you get into. One of them is the Scotty learning how to play. That's like episode one. Right. And then episode two is like the pool and episode three is the, the preppy t- uh, players or whatever. And then the, the carnival rides and then the, uh, losing the baseball to the beast like it's like kind of like a four episode mini series almost and i imagine that this uh movie could actually work as a a multiple episode thing actually and i think they're doing that actually did i just forget about that isn't there some type of sandlot like reunion special thing coming out i think there is i could be wrong about that though what? but uh of everything now yeah, there's there's reunions of it. John, you okay? Oh yeah, no, I'm good, man. Oh, I, uh, oh, okay. I was just gonna say, I, I know they get the uh, they get the actors uh, back together every now and then. They'll have yeah. like a, a group interview, and they're all like in their you know like 30s, maybe even 40s at this point. I don't know. I haven't really kept track of it, but I mean that's a testament to the movie too. The fact that these you know everybody who played the kids in the movie, they all still get back together and they do these reunions. So it must have been a fun movie to make. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it says uh, it says it'll return as a TV series with original cast. Yeah. All right. Wow. I didn't just pull that out of my butt. Yeah. <laughs> there, that's from something. Woo. Okay. That scared me. That's actually yeah, not going to lie. It We we talk about a lot how Hollywood's going to reboot everything and whatnot. Not going to lie. I'm going to be a sucker for this thing. I'm going to watch it like day one. Yeah. yeah my vote goes I'm to uh, Sandlot. Shout out Dodgeball, though. Uh, got some great scenes. And I told my story that was, I think, ruthlessly cut out of uh, the episode when we talked about Dodgeball by John here about how my favorite uh, high school memory actually comes from a game of dodgeball between uh, the baseball team, uh, fun- funny enough. Um, and it was just an iconic moment. So I got I got a, love, a lot of love for the sport of dodgeball, certainly. Yeah, dodgeball is awesome. Uh, this, for me, is like probably the most heartbreaking moment, even though I'm about to do it to myself, because mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want dodgeball to be out of here in the second round. But at the same time, you know, I just, I can't vote against the Sandlot. I mean, there's just too many great moments. Uh, Javi, you made a great point there about how it, it almost feels like a bunch of episodes together. You know, he's the new kid, and then, you know, they they play the uh, the rival team, and then you've got the beast at the end of the movie. Uh, Dodgeball's so funny, though. I, I almost want to be able to talk myself into it here. Ben Stiller's great in this, um, you know. And the thing I like about Dodgeball, too, is, like, it's it feels like it's spoofing underdog stories, but it still is a good underdog story in and of itself, if that makes any sense at all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because, like, it's first of all, it's dodgeball. Yeah. So it's like, what? But then it works. It does work as an underdog story because they're going up against, you know, all these, you know, uh, these jocks, these these guys that are just monsters on the dodgeball court and they end up winning. Um, but, yeah, the Sandlot, man, it, it's just too good. It just has such heart to it. And to me, the thing that uh, really stands out about the Sandlot is there's so many people I know who aren't even the biggest baseball. I mean, we all love baseball, the three of us. But even people who don't watch baseball, who don't even really like baseball, like they love this movie and it just stands the test of time. It really is timeless. Sandlot's, Sandlot's got to be moving on for me. Gabrielle. Oh, boy. <laughs> no. Do I have to? Oh, wow. Well, you're, you're torn oh. here? No, really? no, I did not expect that. Oh, okay. I'm not okay. torn. Um, I just I'm not torn in that I know that I'm voting Sandlot. I'm torn in that I love both of these movies. And so even though Sandlot has a clear edge, it hurts me to do this to Dodgeball, if that makes sense. Um, Dodgeball is one of the funniest of like the first decade of the 2000s kind of movies where it's just that that classic kind of Judd Apatow-esque raunchy somewhat inappropriate slightly homophobic um Mm -hmm. comedy that so many more than slightly homophobic honestly uh movies that was so much a part of the first decade or so of this millennium it is really funny vince vaughn is really good in it Ben Stiller is disturbing, but very good at being disturbing in it. But The Sandlot is like probably, I'd have to say, the best baseball movie ever. Um, so there really isn't if it if we're talking like best sports movies ever, The Sandlot is just a better sports movie. Dodgeball is a hilarious movie. I mean, I use bold strategy at least once a week when I'm talking or tweeting. <laughs> yeah. um, it has some of the funniest lines of a, of a, com- a sports comedy ever. 
But when, when I think about just everything about the Sandlot, and we've talked about this before, um, the, the immense nostalgia when you're watching it, the way that you feel about how it makes you feel about taking you back to when you were a kid playing, feeling like those warm summer afternoons would just last forever. And then thinking about how old we are now, the Sandlot just has something really magical and special and bittersweet and beautiful to it that very few movies capture in general, let alone a sports movie. Mm -hmm. So clear edge for Sandlot, in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's tough to say goodbye to dodgeball, but uh, I think there was only one outcome here. Yeah. All right. Uh, should we jump down to the Midwest here? Yeah, let's do it. All right. We've got the top-seeded Field of Dreams taking on the number eight seed Creed. Both of these moved on without... Well, I mean, I did vote for eight men out, but uh, yeah, both of these were always going to move on. Uh, <laughs> who wants to go first here? Uh, I'd love it. to kick this one off. Yeah, oh, you oh, go, Javi. Oh. No, no, okay, Javi, okay, okay. you go. Go, go. <laughs> I'd love to take this one. And let me just say, ladies and gentlemen, feel the dreams trash. No, I'm kidding. But uh, here's my thing. I'm going to just come roaring out of the gate. Uh, I don't think it's even a, this is the easiest one I've had actually on the entire bracket. Uh, that's Creed. I love Creed. And we're talking about how um, the motivations are kind of like who dies in Rocky's life. Every single movie. This movie is very different in that respect. I think the fact that it was able to revive a franchise that's had like six movies in it in such a profound way. It's directed brilliantly by Mr. Ryan Coogler, of course. Um, and it is, there's so many great moments. I love the, the motorcycle scene. I love the fight scenes in this. They're, they're absolutely just breathtaking to watch the one shot fight against, uh, uh, I, I forgot his name. Uh, the, the first fight in the movie that happens, uh, that w entire one shot thing is awesome to watch. It's, it's, it's just, it's a beautiful yeah. movie to look at in a lot of ways. And in my opinion, it was a borderline Oscar contender type of movie. If the Oscars weren't trash that's the real trash of this matchup is the oscars um i genuinely believe that there are some actual undertones to why the academy would not like a movie like this um that i don't want to get into not to be too political and too movie uh kid on this i guess i don't want to get too uh, pretentious about it but um field of dreams uh if you guys haven't seen cc sabathia's reaction to field of dreams it is one of the funnier things with him and uh ryan ruka i saw that pop up in the timeline like a few months ago <laughs> which was really funny so everybody looked that up um field of dreams is very very indirectly a sports movie it's arguably the one that it, it's so indirectly a sports movie i think out of all of these it's it's kind of ostensibly related to baseball but it's really about spiritual and very religious type of things. Danny Kukana from the West Wings in it. He's great. I love seeing him in that. Uh, and Costner's great in it. That I will say, objectively, uh, Costner's just absolutely phenomenal in this. And the fact that the very end of the movie actually got me choked up in a lot of ways is really a testament to his performance and the whole have a catch thing. Um, but I just think Creed's better. And I don't think uh, Field of Dreams is a one seed. I think it was more like a five or six. Uh, still good. Still has its place. Uh, but it's definitely um, one of those movies that it's it's a little and uh, that that galaxy brain, but it's a little out there. The concept, you know what I mean? Building the whole field and then you're saying that you want to build the field for kind of the love of the game. But then you want to charge people for it. It's just kind of it's a little out there and it's a little bit one of those movies that I think gets overrated by the people who do like it. Um, not to take it too many shots at people, but yeah, uh, I'm going for Creed on this one. So. <laughs> I have tried with Field of Dreams, guys. This is now the third time I have watched it from start <laughs> to finish in my life. I am trying to like this movie. I am actively trying to like it. I don't like this movie. I, I, 
I don't get it. I don't get what it's going for. I don't even get like what the issues are between Kevin Costner and his dad. They don't really mention it. They mm -hmm. mention that, you know, his mom dies when he was just a kid, but then it's never brought up again in the whole movie. And apparently all the issues between, you know, Ray and his father are that Ray's dad liked a baseball player that he doesn't like. And it's like, isn't that a little petty? I mean, can't you let that go at some point? Mm -hmm. I, I just, I, I, I don't get it. And then, you know, there's, there's a scene where, you know, when Shoeless Joe first appears on the baseball field and like his daughter is like yelling, Hey, there's someone out there. And like, they, they aren't reacting. This family is not reacting the right way to a literal ghost in their backyard. Like <laughs> it's scary. And they're all just like, Hey, how you doing, man? And it, it just takes me out of the movie. And, mm -hmm. you know, like Kevin Costner, I, I don't think his character is really all that nice to his own family in this movie. Cause there's that, <laughs> there's, there's that scene where there's a town hall, right? And the one woman wants to, like, ban all these books. And right. Costner's, Costner's wife is, like, challenging her. And she kind of has her big moment in there. And, mm -hmm. you know, she and Costner leave together. And he's just like, yeah, that's nice, honey. That's cool and everything. Like, he could not have been less interested in anything yeah. that he had to say. This is after, a great point. After, earlier in the movie, when Kevin Costner's just like, honey, you know, I, I just feel like I have to do this. I just have to build this baseball field in my backyard. And she supports him, like, 100%. And then, and, and Gabrielle, you mentioned this the last time as well, but there's this scene where the brother-in-law is just being a complete jerk and he drops their daughter and she literally almost dies and they don't even yeah. like get mad at him. They don't get, a good point. Like, like the doctor comes over, the doctor comes over, saves the daughter's life. Okay, great. But then they're like joking around with the brother-in-law. I mean, he just almost killed your daughter. Like, I can't overlook something like that. I can't give this movie a free pass for something like that. And then, like, I'm supposed to get choked up because, like, he has a game of catch with his ghost dad. But I'm like, he hasn't even been that nice to his own family through this movie. He doesn't even, like, make sure that his daughter is okay after this ordeal. So that's a really long way of saying, by the way, Creed's a great movie. And I'm going to vote for Creed. <laughs> by the way, Creed's a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's, it's, it's fantastic. And I love how the Rocky series, you know, they just kind of pick mm -hmm. up where they left off. All these years go by and. Hey, time for another Rocky movie. Rocky's going to be the trainer now, or he's going to mm -hmm. mentor Apollo Creed's son. So, I mean, I love that mm -hmm. dynamic, but yeah, Creed all the way for me. I'll toss it to yeah. Gabrielle. I'm still kind of holding back some of my other thoughts on Creed. I'm saving them. I'm saving them for the real matchups. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you, man. It's going to get tougher. <laughs> all right. Here's my take. <laughs> I'm giving... I am giving it to Field of Dreams because <gasps> it's a losing battle already. Okay. It is a very problematic and flawed movie. I have pointed that out on this pod. I have pointed this out on girlatthegame.com. It is it has a lot of things where if you look closely at it, you're like this is really messed up. Like the stuff with his daughter, the stuff with his brother-in-law, uh the fact that uh James Earl Jones just like disappears into the cornfield and you're like so he just is he dead? <laughs> what, is that? what the hell like, is that? Like he leaves, he leaves his home in Boston and just like disappears into a cornfield, and you're just like, so is he? Like, is that it? That's that whatever. <laughs> this is one of those movies you can only enjoy is if you don't dead? look too closely at it. Mm -hmm. That being said, when I choose, and I and and I know this because I have watched it at times where I've been looking too closely at it, which led to me writing a whole article about it. And I have I now have to actively remind myself to just kind of 
keep it at the top level of my brain where it's just not, I'm not thinking about it too much and enjoy it as like a movie and not be like overthinking any of it. And as they do on the rewatchables on the ringer, like nit pick and nits as they say, Mm -hmm. because there are so many nits that you can pick with this movie. It is really messed up. Mm -hmm. That being said, my mom made a really good point to me because my father lost his father when he was in high school and my mom lost her father when I was very, very young. She said, this is a movie for children who have lost a parent mm-hmm. or, or okay. both parents. It, okay. the, the inability or the struggle to be, and I've experienced this myself as someone who is the child of someone who lost their own parent at a very young age. You feel you are scared at a certain level to get close to your kids because you don't want to hurt them more if something happens to you. And mm. it's hard for you to get close to them because you've lost your own parent. And you, I think that if you think about this movie, you do see that in the way that he clearly loves his daughter, but he leaves a lot of the raising of her to his wife, which is also, you know, how it used to be mm-hmm. and still is in places where one of the one of the parents is a stay-at-home parent and the other one is working to earn a living for the whole family, which is aside from the fact that he destroys his cornfield or a small part of his cornfield building a field for baseball, Kevin Costner is the one who is running this farm. He's he's the one that's supposed to be making a living for the family. And even though his visions and his hearing voices thing is ultimately a selfish journey that risks everything in his family's life, that is technically a part of him working in the cornfields. That's where all of this stuff happens. And watching him reunite with his father and getting that reconciliation. Mm hmm you do you do kind of when i looked at it through the lens that my mother had pointed out to me you do see it as him you know he cries he -hmm. has this moment with his father he gets to forgive his father he gets to forgive himself and i like to think that in the future going forward it makes him a better family man that's my hope anyway um and and the other thing is you pointed out like the whole pettiness of him saying he didn't like Shoeless Joe and that Shoeless Joe was a cheater to upset his father. We've all said things like that, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we do, we say them because we know they're going to hurt somebody. And, and, and it's the people that we love that we know so intimately that we can say the thing that we know that exact thing is going to hurt them. And that's why it hurts so much. Because it comes from a person you know and you love and who knows you. And they've tailor-made it to hurt you. It's not like they're just like, well, you're fat. You know, it's like his father's favorite player. and And he knew how much he meant to him. It's like if somebody said to me, you know, I wish David Ortiz had died in that gun shootout last year. Mm -hmm. And, And even though it's just that one comment... Things like that, you know, mess up families all the time because you you never forget how someone makes you feel. And as crazy as it might sound, I can understand why something like that could drive a wedge between two family members and 
never really recover from it if both are stubborn enough to not be able to get over something like that. Because even though it's just one little comment that he made, it's the comment that he made, not that it was just one comment. And why he made that specific comment to specifically hurt his dad the way that he knew that he could hurt him the most. Mm-hmm. It was like the so, intention behind the comment, right? Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's okay. like it's okay. like he chose you. that comment mm-hmm. because he knew how much Shoeless Joe meant to his dad. Right. Gotcha. So it's not it's not just that he was trying to fight his dad, it's that he was trying to hurt his dad. And it's just This movie's about a regrets a little are, bit. This movie is mm-hmm. about regrets and, and it's about regrets in a lot of different ways. And people who live with regrets have a hard time living in the present and looking towards the future because you're always living with your regrets. Mm-hmm. So right. I, it's a very problematic movie, but I think also one of the reasons that it's problematic is because it's a movie filled with people who are the point of the movie is people who are living with regret, but also living with dreams that are unfulfilled. And feeling like they've kind of reached Mm -hmm. a point in their life where they can't do all the things that they dream of. And they've just kind of settled into mundanity. And and that's why the movie is messed up. Because in reality, people are messed up. People have done things that Mm -hmm. they regret. People have settled for less than they think they deserve. They they take the job because they need money, not because it's what they want to do. Like, he didn't want to buy a farm. He's like, all of a sudden, we were married and had a kid and we owned a farm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I work in a cornfield. Yeah, and he's like, and you wake up and you're 30 and 35, and you don't know what, how you got here. And I think a lot of people have that. And so I think one of the reasons that this movie is problematic is because real people are problematic, and also because it it shows us something in ourselves of the fear of not wanting to turn out like these people. And mm-hmm. so at the end of the day, it's a very in- this movie is a very interesting blend of the supernatural and the magic which is very unique and special and flawed, of course, and also the very, very human, messed up. These characters are problematic and ultimately not that great. And right. and for me, it makes it a very interesting movie on like a deep level. And also, if you want to watch it on the, the light, kind of ignoring all of this stuff level, it's a movie that will make you cry. So You know what? Gabriel, you did a great job at reminding me of kind of the movie and the fact that I did it. I made it sound like when I was uh, voting for Creed that I hated this movie. Honestly, the, the, the flawed one seed that I would have no problem with just attacking more would be probably Hoosiers out of all of them <laughs> on this bracket. That one I would have no problem. I, I, we couldn't I, go we, one episode yeah. without attacking Hoosiers. It's going to be like <laughs> yeah, the final couldn't. the final countdown, <laughs> like the last two. And we'll be like, but also, in case anyone forgot, f*** Hoosiers. <laughs> 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 oh my god and we, you know what i mean it's, it's I, like a I drinking game of, like yeah what are what are they going to make fun of hoosiers will be one of them <laughs> you know i i made fun of field of dreams i nitpicked it but clearly something's wrong with me and not everybody else <laughs> everybody else seems to love this movie so let me say that as well yes i nitpicked the movie yeah. yes i shared my issues with it but everybody i talked to loves this movie so There's clearly no, I'm the one that, that I'm just missing something. I think between Hoosiers and this, Hoosiers is flawed, but not in a way that's kind of endearing. This movie's flawed in a way that at least in some ways might be perceived as endearing. You know what I okay. mean? Yeah, Hoosiers yeah. is just a little old. And I'm sorry, no characters like in that movie except for uh, Shooter. And he literally gets like the Oscar nomination for it. So great. Like awesome. But that's it. <laughs> it's just yeah. Stop. Stop. 
Hoosiers. And, and oh Field of God. Dreams, a more unique movie than Hoosiers. Yeah, you've got yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the supernatural elements as well. So, but Gab- yeah. yeah, Gabrielle, you talked me back into it. I'm not going to vote for it, but yeah, you reminded <laughs> me like, I didn't yeah. hate this movie. I just really love Creed. Yeah, no, I mean, Creed, I didn't even say a word about Creed. Creed's an excellent movie. Um, mm-hmm. I just wanted to give, before, you know, I wanted to yeah. give Field of Dreams a proper send off because. <laughs> <laughs> That was good. When you when you really think about it, that like there are so many levels. I, I kind of think of Field of Dreams as kind of like an onion or an artichoke. It has a lot of layers to it, and if you look at only one layer of it, or you kind of just judge it as like, well, this movie makes no sense, or you know, it's full of things that are impossible, like hearing voices in a cornfield and ghosts of Shoeless Joe Jackson. But I think that you kind of have to look at all of the parts of this mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. and I think you have to kind of pull it apart and look at it from different angles and talking to my mom about it really gave me well a different done. layer of insight to it. But I just wanted to give field of dreams a proper send off. <laughs> and, uh, we have now eliminated two, one seeds. No, three, three, three. There's three. only one oh left. My God, remember the Titans. Oh my God. Only Rocky still standing. Yeah. Well, I think that'll be there for a while. So yeah. 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 Rocky got that NCAA like political seed. They made sure that Rocky would get, uh, eliminated too easily. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, what was going to take that out in the first couple of rounds, right? Everything yeah. in the in the South bracket might have had a chance, but not or not everything. But South bracket movies might have had a chance. South yep. is stacked. The South well, guys. Also, the South has Sandlot, and Maguire then we put Jerry Maguire in there. Remember yeah. the Titans and Moneyball? It's stacked. Yeah. It's, the South is ridiculous. It's also funny with the seating because Jerry Maguire is technically a. What is it like a four seed? Yeah, it's a four, four according to us. Yeah, because mm-hmm. of tin cup, which is hilarious. Because <laughs> if we were making this bracket, not only would we not even have had tin cup on here, but how the hell is tin cup a four seed? Like, yeah, we're just like, lucky that we replaced tin cup with Jerry Maguire, even though Jerry Maguire is like a one or a two seed. Yeah, goddamn four seed because think, of tin cup, but we're just lucky yeah. it wasn't like Jerry Maguire, the fifteen seed. Yeah, I feel like we would have we would have not added Jerry Maguire if it wasn't that the four that they chose was Tin Cup. If the four they chose was like what, something uh, good, yeah, even like yeah, like a Field of Dreams was four, we would have been like, okay, we're not going to replace that. We get it to a degree, but right. Tin Cup, Tin Cup, what? It, <laughs> what? I've never even heard anyone talk about Tin Cup. Like no, I've never had anyone tell word. me like like oh you got to see Tin Cup, or I've never heard anyone say Tin Cup sucks. Like, I've never heard anyone mention <laughs> it ever. I yeah. Like, yeah, just, I, just the people weird. who made this bracket in Texas, y'all are some weird people. Um, <laughs> the person who made this, like, they definitely seeded this as their own preferential thing because nobody in their right mind makes a sports bracket and says Tin Cup is a four seed, leaves off Jerry Maguire. My mom also pointed out the Billie Jean King movie isn't on here. Um, there's like a lot of sports movies that are just not on this bracket yeah. that. You definitely would put on this bracket before you put some of these very random movies on. Yeah, for sure. Um, you guys want to move on to what do we got here? What's next? Base- uh, yeah, basketball, basketball and league of their own. And I'm gonna call dibs on this one because go for it. As the woman on this podcast, I think I get to lead <laughs> off the league of their own conversation. Um. I had only seen basketball once. I love South Park. So it's, you know, the fact that it's Trey and Matt. It's, first of all, I just want to share a very quick, very funny um, South Park thing, just because 
it's like still the funny like i think about this every time i watch south park i was watching south park at my family's summer home when i was in high school in the tv room we only have one tv it's like a very low frills like beach cottage and my grandma was sitting in the chair in the same room as me but she is a little bit hard of hearing and she was reading a book so that's deadly combination of if you say anything to her she is not paying attention so she's sitting here i'm watching the episode of south park where hillary clinton has a bomb you know oh the God. <laughs> yep. yeah yep there's a bomb <laughs> yeah so my dad walks into the room my dad is a rabbi okay he loves like raunchy like dodgeball-esque movies like big lebowski etc but there's a there's a line and he walks into the room just as on the TV in South Park, the guy says, the bomb, it's in Hillary Clinton. And my dad just goes, what the f*** are you watching? And my grandma looks up and she goes, why are you swearing? And my dad's like, are you not watching what she's watching? My grandma just like was reading a book. She had no idea. She was sitting there the entire episode. So that's my little South Park. Every time I think of South Park, I think of that. Um, basketball is a funny movie. I don't think it holds even a candle to League of Their Own, which, in my opinion, much better movie, much better baseball movie than Field of Dreams. One of the best sports movies of all time. Everyone who's in this movie is great. It's one of those true mm -hmm. ensemble movies where every single, like right down to like Betty Spaghetti, every actor and actress in this movie is so good. Gina Davis, yeah. Madonna, Rosie. Tom Hanks, like Lori Petty, everyone in this movie is so good in their role. The fact that it's a true story, even better. The fact that it's a girl power movie, the best. Um, I just love this movie so much. I already told you, like, it's this movie that makes me want to hug the hell out of my little sister. And it's just, it's a special movie. So I have to give it to League of Their Own. Basketball is funny. I just don't like I don't see how anyone chooses basketball out of, over like one of the best sports movies ever made, in my opinion. Right. Just iconic sports movie. Also very like accurate in terms of how they treated the women in these leagues in terms of wanting them to be ladylike and making them wear skirts. And then you see the giant bruises on their legs, like the detail, the historical detail, the attention to that, the acknowledgement that they left black women out of the all American girls, professional baseball league. And that one small scene, the way that these women, the very different ways that these women were in terms of like Madonna is very um, friendly with men versus the married women on the teams and the the priorities of different women like um kit and dot dot just wants to dot loves baseball but she wants to play just because her husband is at war and what she, what she really wants is to go back to her real life with her husband and meanwhile kit really loves baseball and like wants it to be, you know, her career and all of this stuff. And she is so de dedicated to it. They really just show a lot of the different reasons that these women are here and track their storylines. You get more storylines than just like, even though it's really about Kit and Dot, you get a lot of these ensemble characters, these kind of supporting actors 
I think one of them was nominated for an Oscar or one or something. Um, it's just such a great movie. I love Penny Marshall. She died this year, which uh, made me really sad because I had always really wanted to just like talk to her about what it was like to make this movie. And um, yeah, I just love, I love a league of their own so much. Yeah. Javi, you want to go next? Uh, yeah, sure. I haven't really seen, seen basketball. Um, I think I mentioned that in the last uh, episode when we talked about uh, basketball. I think um, I, I really just echo the same sentiment. Like I said, I haven't seen uh, a league of their own in quite a while. I've seen like it's it's popped up on, on cable a bunch of times, and I've tuned in and out and stuff like that. But I haven't seen it like sat down and seen the movie in a long time. But my really only uh, testimonial to the movie is that I just felt like it's it's this indescribable feeling when the movie's glowing. It just has a positive energy to it in a way. Uh, not like a it's that it's all positive movie, but there's just something about it that uh, resonates really well. And um, that's that's really all I have to say about it. I'm very curious to see how far it goes in our bracket, um, depending on what it's matched up with. But uh, that's definitely one of the movies that while I remember how good I it was and how much I enjoyed it, it's definitely my number one that I want to rewatch out of uh, almost all of these. And who knows? Maybe maybe I'll like it less. That It's a possibility. But I do remember really, really enjoying it when I first saw it. Like, I don't know six ish years ago six seven ish years ago um i was gonna say this should be one of our rewatchable like where we do a whole episode dedicated yeah. to it because this one is it's, it's definitely one that could work for it so special yeah mm-hmm. um as much as i kind of want to make basketball like this ironic kind of cinderella team going through these brackets <laughs> um, well first of all it already lost but i can't go against a league of their own I, I can't pick basketball over a league of their own even though i will say the first five minutes of basketball and like Javi, I don't think you said you haven't seen this one, right? Right. I have not seen it. So, so when you're, when we're done here, just go to YouTube and anybody listening and just type in basketball intro. And it just kind of talks <laughs> about, it, it's really funny. It, it talks about how, you know, athletes these days, and keep in mind, this is a movie made more than 20 years ago, but about how, mm. you know, the modern athlete cares more about like planning his celebration, his touchdown celebration than he does about like actually executing the play. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of Mm -hmm. really smart humor there, but it does. And I I watched both these movies again recently. It does lean a little too heavily into like the gross out humor. It relies on that a little bit too much. I think Mm -hmm. maybe I'm just getting older. I don't know, but um, league of their own. I mean, you know, Gabrielle, you said it. I mean, everybody plays their role just perfectly in this movie. Um, There's not really a whole lot else to say. I mean, there's just fantastic performances and for whatever reason. And I, I, can't even explain why, but watching this movie a couple of nights ago, it made me miss baseball more than I've missed baseball at any moment through this entire pandemic going on. And like I said, I can't really put my finger on exactly why. I mean, the game seven at the end kind of did it for me because it's just an epic game uh, without going completely over the top and completely ridiculous. It's just a really exciting baseball game. And you don't know which team is going to win and you don't know what's going to happen at the end. And I think the epilogue in this movie really works, too, where they're all older and they're all going into the Hall of Fame. That kind of put a nice little bow on the entire movie. So, yeah, I mean, I I love basketball, love Matt and Trey. I think they can do no wrong with anything that they do. But you got to go for a League of Their Own here. So clean sweep for a League of Their Own. The part at the end, the the epilogue of a League of Their Own where they're all together older, I ball my eyes out every single time. It's just. I love it. And um, I'm very happy we got a sweep because if you guys had 42'd me on this one, I would have cried. <laughs> yeah, 
no, I, I think we're I think we're all on board here. It's got to be like baseball is great, also, but I mean, a league of their Marla own. It's, it's fantastic. Oh my god, Marla yeah, she's great my, too. Yeah, she's my favorite. She so Megan Cavanaugh. First of all, fun fact about her: she is the voice of Judy Neutron in Jimmy Neutron. Wow. So that's just awesome. Um, but wow. Marla Hooch is my favorite player on the peaches. She has got a bat power like Babe Ruth. I just I love how she finds love with Nelson and there's they marry and they're still together. Um, and I just, you know, because she that was one of the things with the and you don't see this in um men's baseball when they were choosing the women for these teams like the whole thing with marla hooch remember they're like she's too ugly to play no one's going to want to see her face it's in so the game. mean yeah and then they have and like the beauty school too yeah i remember watching that as a little girl and i was such a sensitive little kid like if my mom if my mom would take me to buy new clothes and she'd hold something up and she'd say do you like this i really like it and if I said no, I would immediately feel guilty that I hurt that article of clothing's feelings and I would change my mind so that the article of clothing <laughs> wouldn't get put back on the rack feeling like nobody wanted it. Like that's how sensitive I was as a little girl. And I still sometimes do that where I like that's personify awesome. things and then I just it like it's bad because I just feel way too much. Watching the Marla Hooch scenes where she like people like they, she can hear them saying she's too ugly. It's not even like quiet they're like mm -hmm. she's too ugly for baseball yeah, john lovitz I... is in this movie. oh yeah oh yeah john lovitz yeah. but he plays it well yeah. um i cried as a little girl i was like they're so mean to her this is so unfair she's really good at baseball like she broke a window and when she finds nelson and she's happy and she's singing it had to be you in the bar when she's drunk like her storyline is probably my favorite part just because I'm so happy to see somebody so happy when like her storyline started off like her and her dad, the whole thing just, it gets me right in my very emotional, sensitive, feely spot, you know? Yep. So shout out, Absolutely. shout out Marla Hooch. Yeah, for sure. All right. So I oh, guess no. we'll move on. Oh yeah. Another, <laughs> another tough one. We got, uh, we're we've saying got... this as if we didn't realize that like we've made these brackets yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like, oh, our crap. favorite movies one by one. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So number 11 warrior against number 14 glory road pair of upsets in the first round. If you're just going by the seed, but I, this is a tough one. I'll, I'll toss this to whoever wants it first. I can take it. I, yeah, I can take, take it. it. I don't want it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, I don't want to repeat too much uh, everything that I've said on both these movies because I feel like I talked a lot about uh, Glory Road and Warrior um, and the both movies that they the two slayed uh, as they got to this next round. Um, I'm going to go with Warrior here. I think that it's just better made. I think that there's a, a boldness to the uh, presentation of it. I think it's directed better. I think that Gavin O'Connor is actually super underrated as a director. Um, I think that uh, the performances are... While still good in Glory Road, I, I really like the guy who plays um, the coach, uh, Luke something. I'm forgetting. Uh, Josh, Josh Lucas. Lucas. Josh Lucas. Um, he's great. I loved him as the coach in this. And I love that that movie really doesn't shy away 
uh, from everything when it comes to race. It really tackles it, really uh, shows some explicit signs of it, um, almost more than um, Remember the Titans does, actually. And, and this is still a Disney movie. It's It has some very like blatant like blood on the walls uh, of their hotel rooms uh the the scene where the the player is is being dunked in the toilet like they like really show some scenes in this movie um but for me and it's i a just disney love movie. yeah and it's and it's a disney movie that's what's so crazy yeah. about it wow um i do think remember titan certainly has some great commentary there i don't think there was a scene that was quite as like viscerally racist as uh glory road shows um and that could that could just be me maybe i'm forgetting something from remember the titans but um uh there's there's something about warrior that the end of that movie i genuinely was a, an emotional wreck uh this this the song that was being played about today by the national you just hear me say the name of the band that played it and you already know where this is going uh with with that song and tom hardy's awesome in it tom hardy one of the more interesting a-listers we have i never know what that guy's gonna do next uh, whether he's being Venom, which is one of my all-time favorite good bad movies ever, I've watched it with my friend like seventeen times. We are obsessed with the the lunacy of that movie. And then he'll be Capone, which just came out. He'll be uh, in a gangster movie, and then he'll be in that movie with Chris Pine, where they were fighting over Reese Witherspoon? Question mark. I forgot who it was. Uh, the 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 spy versus spy movie. I forgot what that was, but like he's just a very odd actor in terms of what he chooses, and I think he's super talented for 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 one but anyway uh warrior is kind of an almost it's it's a two-parted movie it's about uh it has the underdog story of sports movies but then it also has the tom Hardy's character which is definitely not an underdog and it's 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 a a person who's in pain and i think that they captured it really well and it has it has equal parts heart and equal parts very serious very uh i don't want to say million dollar baby levels of serious but certainly serious uh, when it comes to personal turmoil in, in one's life that sometimes people go through. So I'm going with Warrior. I think it's more intricate. I think it's just a better made movie on a mechanical level. And still watching the fight scenes, I've seen this movie a lot, uh, still gives me chills. So, uh, yeah, I'm going with Warrior in this one. All right. Gabrielle? All right. So <laughs> I have been open before about not enjoying uh, violent movies. And the interesting thing about this is that, like you said, Glory Road has some really dark scenes. We've talked about this last time we had this side of the bracket and uh, we're talking about it now. Parts of Glory Road are really hard to watch. Uh, the 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 urine swirly scene and and them coming back to the hotel room and just kind of worrying about them all the time because when you you know watching these movies where it's movies about racism when you really like the characters and you're watching the movies and you're invested in them you're basically kind of worried the entire time that something bad is going to happen to them and with glory road it's I just really, I thought it was, for a Disney movie, I thought it was really well done in terms of depicting what these players went through. They, surprisingly, for a Disney movie, they didn't actually gloss over a lot of what these guys had to deal with as they were traveling around the country playing basketball. I am going to give it to Glory Road just because I don't like violent movies and I don't, you know, watching guys fight is just not my thing. I watched glory. I watched warrior because I had to for the 
bracket and that's fine. But I really love Glory Road. I, I didn't think I was going to love it um, when I watched it, but I ended up really all the all the players on the basketball team are really kind of lovable and you you root for them really hard and you you feel connected to them and I I just gotta my heart is with them so I'm not <laughs> I'm sorry yeah. I have to I can't I gotta it's okay to my heart. it's okay it's okay Come on, John, bring Warriors it home. Warriors a good movie. It's just, <laughs> it's just not. I, I just don't enjoy things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's yeah, like that's not fair. the kind of movie that I like to watch. And I know that this isn't. I know that that this isn't the bracket of things Gabrielle prefers to watch. But uh, <laughs> you know, we have movies like Rocky are going to go all the way. So I, I think I can give my votes to, uh, to the movies that I like every once in a while. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no strict criteria here, you know um yeah but uh yeah it's a tough one for me and now i gotta break this tie um glory road i really appreciate (laughs) i really appreciate how it you know kind of tackles the racism issues head on probably even more well really definitely even more so than remember the titans does and i'm not knocking remember the titans because that's a great movie as well but glory road man it it goes all the way with it uh javi you mentioned the scene where there's you know they they put blood on the the hotel room walls and right a horrible mess. I don't even remember what it said. I just know it was horrible. Um, Something we can't say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I wouldn't want to say anyway, but, um, and then, you know, there's scenes where, you know, you kind of, you feel like you're in their shoes when they're going onto the basketball court, you know, there's, there's like fans leaning over the side and just yelling things at them. Like they can barely even see the court through the tunnel. You just got fans like harassing them basically. Um, and then warrior, I, I really like the dynamic of, you know, the whole family thing that's going on and how you've got these two brothers, but they're both, completely different people they're both doing completely different things with their life um you've got the one who you know i I believe was in the army and he goes awol but then he like saved uh, some of his fellow soldiers from drowning like while he was leaving basically so you've got that Mm -hmm. guy with obviously an interesting kind of murky past and then you've got this other guy who's like a family man and you know he's like a science teacher just very wholesome and i also appreciate the fact that you know they took advantage of you know, in UFC, I don't know a lot about UFC, but I know that, you know, you can be a brawler or you can be kind of like a grappler and get down on the mat. I like how, you know, they have the one brother who just knocks everybody unconscious, the one who's kind of a badass. And then they've they've got the other guy who's the scrapper and he's got to mm-hmm. get down on the mat and just out wrestle people, basically. So I'm going to go with Warrior. It, it's close, Woo! but I, I, I got to give it a little bit of an edge here. I, I do. And again, it's the only UFC movie. And I, I think they do a nice job with that. I'm sure UFC fans probably like this movie or maybe not maybe they hate it i don't know but i like mm-hmm. it so i'm going with warrior Woo! yes victory <laughs> Big warrior I, I, fan over here. I was like low-key yeah. really wanted that it's it's one of my uh i think we all have our own movie in this bracket that like isn't a top seated or a conventional yeah mine uh, was definitely 42. everyone knows it <laughs> <laughs> and mine it may part of mine was karate kid or that one's actually um, not like a particular to me. I feel like a lot of people feel that way, but uh, we all have like our own uh, movie that we kind of ride for. Uh, and yeah, uh, Warriors want to buy it for sure. Yeah, it dodgeball and basketball going down is tough for me, but it had to Oof. happen again with these opponents Oof. that they're against. You know? Hey, if if it means anything, I have that basketball or basketball scene uh, queued up. I'm gonna be watching it right after this. Yeah, it's a good one, man. You'll you'll definitely laugh. Um, all right. Let's all right, power through that, man. Here we go. And it's not an easy one either. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, this is tough. Um, 
Seven Happy Gilmore up against number two Rudy. Does anyone want to lead this one off? <laughs> I mean, I, mean I, can. I can do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I can't if you want. It's just um, going to be like none of us wanting to talk because we're just yeah, we're just going to be like oh, for agreeing oh, to do yeah. this. We're we're both um, afraid to knock out one of these movies. Yeah, yeah. So. I really got some love for Rudy. This could be recency bias because I saw Happy Gilmore, uh, well, recently, uh, and I haven't seen Rudy in quite some time, but I do remember it. I actually watched it uh, the first time. It was like in middle school, I think. I forgot why we were seeing it. Uh, Maybe because it was based on Notre Dame and my teacher at the time liked Notre Dame. I don't know. Uh, But um, Happy Gilmore, to me, it was just so surprising how much I liked it. I was so surprised by how much I liked the humor, despite the fact that it is slapstick to a degree. I was just so surprised because I usually don't like that type of stuff. I I usually hate it and I feel like it's cheap laughs and maybe I sound like a snob in a lot of ways. Well, that is in this case, yes, but I just felt like the movie had a little bit more to it, too. It had the whole blue collar worker like, yeah, if there was somebody who was acting this crazy on a, on a on a golf course and was actually really good and talented too. I can't imagine that all the people. Yeah, I would watch. And yeah. we, we we I think I brought up how Tiger Woods has that emotion and stuff. And there's there's like an upper class uh, uh, white collarness to to golf. And here's this character who's just as good as you, you jerks, right? But he's a, a blue collar more like you know what I mean. He's more aligned with that lifestyle. And I that message kind of resonated with me. Uh, and Shooter McGavin, I think. At a, I think the all-time sports movie villain, he's certainly up there against you know guys like Drago and uh, and, and and whatnot, but and just society <laughs> in League of Their Own. Yeah. Uh, but I'd say that yeah, this is it's just funny. I like the randomness of it. I told you guys that the the scene when he's like. You know, but uh, you know, I was gonna be on the tour, but I couldn't. And then, <laughs> and then yeah, Cappy Gilmore's just like, oh why. Was it was it because you're black? And then he's like, no, it's because I lost my hand to a shark. It's like it's dumb. You know what I mean? It's like dumb yeah. humor like that. That worked for me more than I really ever really anticipated. So I'm voting for Happy Gilmore here. Yeah, uh, I got to go Gilmore as well. It's just a damn funny movie. Oh, and, you know, just just to build on that scene that you just talked about there, Javi, um, the one with, with you know, Apollo Creed as Chubbs Peterson. Um you know, just the fact that he says, no, a damn alligator bit my hand off. And he's like, he got me, but I tore one of that eyes out. So he pulls a jar. He just carries that jar with an alligator's eye in it, around with him at all times. Apparently, It's so dumb, it's so dumb but funny. <laughs> it's so stupid. Yeah. But it's hysterical. Like he just, he just 24 hours a day. He's got this alligator's eye with him. And then a great callback later in the movie when, when Gilmore's playing and the alligator, mm-hmm. you know, eats his ball and, and you know, Happy jumps into the pond after him yeah. to wrestle this alligator you. for a golf ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's personal and then they go now. Back like, to the plot. Yeah. like he was. And then they go back to the plot. <laughs> he was mad enough at the alligator just in the first place for eating the golf ball. He was yeah. absolutely just like anybody else. Any other golfer would be like, "All right, well, I guess we'll just uh, you know use another ball." Gilmore is just furious at this alligator for taking his golf ball. Like it's just so dumb, but I, I just love it. And then you know he dump, obviously he jumps into the pond to wrestle the alligator for the ball, and I guess beats it to death apparently. But uh, yeah, Gil, Gilmore's just too funny, man. Like the scene where he's playing mini golf to work on his putting, and just getting so mad, he takes you know the he can't figure out the hole with the, the giant clown head. The you know it keeps blocking his ball from going in, and then he like attacks you know the the giant clown head and hits it with his putter. It, it, it's just 
it's just funny stuff, man. I so Happy Gilmore's a hilarious movie. I got to go with it just because of that. So sorry, Rudy. Gabrielle. It looks like uh, Happy Gilmore is going to sweep because wow. I too am Woo! voting for Happy Gilmore, which makes me sad because Rudy is such a inspiring and heartwarming story, and I hate to root against this movie that unsurprisingly made me cry, but. Happy Gilmore is just so funny, and I truly think it's one of Sandler's best movies of his career. Which, again, like there are some really, really awful movies in his uh, filmography. So that's not that's not saying it's not like saying like this is the best movie of Tom Hanks' career, for example, where it's like, well, it's Tom Hanks, and pretty much everything he does is amazing. But Happy Gilmore is, like I've said before, Sandler kind of plays a very similar version of the same character in a lot in almost all of his movies. Kind of brash, loud, needs anger management classes. ironically is in a movie called anger management but he he kind of is like an obnoxious hot-tempered often dumb character in a lot of his movies Mm -hmm. and he plays it really well but depending on the movie it doesn't it's not he's not it's not good just because it's not what the movie would call for or should call for but in happy gilmore it is the perfect movie for the quintessential adam sandler role and it's just so funny julie bowen is so great in it um the guy who plays shooter mcgavin whose name i'm blinking on he is really good at being the villain the grandma stuff is both disturbing and funny with ben stiller um but it's just a it's just a really funny movie it's a purely funny movie i kind of low-key like I doubt it will happen just based on the matchups, but it would be really funny to have Caddyshack and Happy Gilmore face off. I mean, I know that that's like impossible, but it would be really funny. Golf man, <laughs> yeah. If, if we it. had structured the bracket differently, mm-hmm. it would have been really funny to have. Arguably, like the two only good golf movies ever. Golf, they comedy. might be. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's like that Shia LaBeouf movie from Disney about like golf in like the 19 early 1900s, I think. But other than that, like I can't. Can you think of another golf movie? Uh, Tin Cup. (laughs) No, a good golf movie. No, I can't. Yeah, exactly. A a good golf movie. Yeah. No, that's, that's pretty much it. But how about that? How about that? We are into the Sweet 16. All right, so there you have it. It is on to the Sweet 16. Once again, thanks so much for tuning in. If you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Now go ahead and tell your smart device to play the latest edition of Locked On NHL. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.